Welcome to the Bigger Pockets Money Podcast, show number 337, where we talk about why the military is the best job straight out of high school. Not to talk smack about the college world, right? But like you take a kid fresh out of college, let's let's put him in the Harvard MBA program, right? Like top tier, fresh out of college, never had a job before, but this kid is brilliant. And you throw him against an infantry guy who's never done a thing in business. And I'm not going to say that the Harvard guy won't win, but I will just say that the decision-making power and the ability to make those decisions under pressure, you know, you don't know how you're going to do until you get into some of those situations. And so there's something to be said for being in those kinds of situations that transfers into life, right? So people crack under pressure. It's nice to have an opportunity to learn that before you're playing CEO. Hello, hello, hello. My name is Mindy Jensen and joining me today is my military expert co-host, David Perret. What's up, Mindy? How are you doing today? I, David, I'm doing really good. I am so excited to talk to you about all the things. But before we do, David and I are here to make financial independence less scary, less just for somebody else, to introduce you to every money story because we truly believe that financial freedom is attainable for everyone, no matter when or where you're starting. Whether you want to retire early and travel the world, go on to make big-time investments in assets like real estate, or start your own business, we'll help you reach your financial goals and get money out of the way so that you can launch yourself towards your dreams. Ooh, that was a good radio voice, David. <laughs> okay, David, when we were discussing this episode prior to hitting to re record, you came up with the title, Why the Military is the Best Job Straight Out of High School, and you had a really great reason to back up your statement. What is that? Well, there's... A lot of reasons, and I could argue this back and forth, but the overarching theme is, would you rather be 22 years old, $100,000 into student loan debt, no life experience outside of school, and looking for your first job, or 22 years old, four years of life experience outside of school, also a degree, no student loan debt, and a four-year employment history with a honorable discharge to back you up as a new employer, or to a new employer. Okay, so that sounds a little bit better than the... Uh $100,000 in student loan debt. Remember when you had to pay to get a Leeds phone number? It was like the dark ages. Until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high-quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do-not-call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com slash BP. When it comes to financial guidance, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When Mindy and I want to upgrade our wallets, we turn to NerdWallet. Scott's right. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, Mindy and I were paying for vacations in cash, missing out on miles, and not even knowing what we're leaving on the table. But now we're flying through the skies for free, thanks to our new cards with more miles and upgrades than ever. So if you want more travel rewards, hotel upgrades, or airport lounge access, no matter where you go next, let NerdWallet 
help you make it happen with a killer travel card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval, and terms of each credit card issuer apply. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Okay, David, I want to get a a bit of background about you for anybody who is unfamiliar with your situation. What is your military background and what does the financial situation when you go into the military, what does that look like typically? Yeah, so I joined the Marine Corps in 2008, right out of high school, uh, not because I had these grandiose dreams of becoming rich, but because I uh, wanted to get out of Arkansas, didn't have money for school, and didn't like school. So I was like, ah, I want to travel the world. This sounds like an adventure. And for the first seven, seven and a half years that I was active duty, I mean, I made all the normal Marine Corps stupid decisions, right, or military, or, or just young guy, right? I blew all the money on tattoos, cars, Harley, rifles, women, I mean, y- you name it, right? Uh, the, the money that came in went back out. Uh, alcohol, that was in there too. Uh, you know, so it is what it is. Uh, and in 2015, somebody handed me the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and I read it and was like, oh, this is cool. And then as I was trying to research, like I was reading more books and learning more about real estate, I actually, that's how I found Bigger Pockets because every time I'd Google a question, Bigger Pockets would come up with the answer. And so then I read, you know, book on managing rental properties, book on investing in rent, real estate, um, you know, all the, or rental properties, all the things. Bought a duplex, house hacked, and was like, oh, this is cool. And then, so that was 2015. And in 2021, I left the military after 13 years active duty as an enlisted Marine with a uh, million dollar net worth, financial freedom, and over a hundred rental units. And I uh, basically, at this point, I'm kind of like, all right, cool. Well, I'm going to talk to other service members about how to build wealth because I think they are uniquely positioned to do so. And a lot of them just don't understand. So I think this is really important to highlight. You just said you left the military as a millionaire with over a hundred rental units and a bunch of other stuff that I can't remember because I'm stuck on those two. That's not your typical exiting the military financial position, right? No, absolutely not. But then you also said the military members are uniquely positioned to do exactly what you did. And you messed it up. Oh, yeah. You didn't even do it right until 2015. You messed up a whole bunch of stuff. Imagine what you would have done if you would have been listening to the Bigger Pockets Money podcast when you first started and you learned of all these amazing things, you could be a batrillionaire right now, David. Well, a prime example is that currently I have, well, it's it's dropped. When I did the math, I had $120,000 in my thrift savings plan. I currently have like 96 or 97, but it'll go back up. Uh, but that 120, when I did the math, would have been worth closer to 300 had I just known which fund to put the money in. I had it in the wrong fund. I had it in basically bonds, right? Government-backed securities. And, uh, and so from 2008... To 2015, when I realized that mistake, which you know was basically every year during that period was a 10% plus 10 to 30% return on the stock market. Uh, I was invested in government-backed securities, and I was contributing and doing all the right things. And if I had just known which account to put the money in, it would be almost triple the value that it is currently. Wow! I think that's something that isn't unique to the military. I think that's something that when somebody decides that they want to 
open up an account, an IRA, a 401k, a Roth IRA, whatever they're doing, they put money into the account. I've had people ask me, well, you know, where did it, I put money in, so I'm, I'm invested, right? Did you direct where that money should go? You have to direct where it goes. And then they go back in and they're like, oh, for the last year, it has been sitting in cash. I have no value other than what I put in there. I missed some gains. You could say that you missed some losses. I am not going to even get into the timing the market versus time in the market. For that, you are going to go back to episode 335 with Jesse Kramer and Carl Jensen, and where we talk about the timing the market and how basically, long story short, spoiler, it's a bad idea. But... <laughs> Time in the market is very important. Let's talk about, because you brought up the TSP, let's talk about that. The TSP, for somebody like me who is not in the military and doesn't really know what I'm talking about with regards to the TSP, that's like the 401k. Yeah, absolutely. Same contribution limits that I have. So why is the TSP so great if it's just the same as my 401k? I mean, the, the main reason is that now when you join the military, right? So for, for the record, now when you join, the funds go into a life cycle fund instead of the government-backed securities. So you're already in a better spot. Uh, but currently with the new retirement as of 2020, the military will match 5%, right? So I think if you're in the military, the reason it's better is that you're going to get a 5% matching contribution, which means if you contribute 5%, it's an instant guaranteed 100% ROI on day one, uh, as well as a pay raise. So if you're in the military... That's why I say, you know, at least the 5% in the TSP before you consider anything else. But I think the more the merrier. Really, the, I mean, there's a few things here and there, but they're so similar. The biggest one is just the, the fees, right? I think most of the funds are between uh, 0.4 and 0.5% fee annually, which is really low. Um, so that adds up very quickly. And then there's a couple other things here and there that I'm sure are super nuanced, but uh, the biggest one outside of that is that if you're in the military and you go to a combat zone, your limit is, as of 2022, is not 20500 for the year. It is 57000 for the year. And so you could go to a combat zone and you are taking your tax-exempt cash and you stuff it into your thrift savings plan and you could put $57,000 away this year. And, by the way, if you do that in the Roth because with the Roth, you pay the taxes up front and not on the back end. Well, your taxes are – your pay is tax exempt. So you do not pay the taxes on the front end because that pay is tax exempt. You're in a combat zone. You do not pay the taxes on your earnings when you pull it out because it's a Roth. And so it's you know the, the life insurance argument for like triple tax exemption, like same thing except better returns and you're not life insurance. So it's uh, – I love it. Okay. Hold the phone. I liked the 5% employer match because there's a lot of people who are – uh, we call it an employer. I call it an employer match. I shouldn't. I should say 5% government match. But the government is your employer, so we're going to call it the government, the employer match. Yeah. You just said that if I am in a combat zone, which does happen from time to time if you're in the military, unfortunately, you can put up to $57,000 into your TSP, whereas my 401k is still 20500 Actually, mine is 27000 because I'm over 50 this year. Um, but 20,500, if you're not over 50 an extra 6,500, if you are, but if you're in the military at any age, that's not like over 50, that's any age, 18 years old, going into a combat zone, 
you can put in $57,000 into a TSP, which they have a Roth option. And if you listen to the show, you will hear Scott Trench talk about how much he loves the Roth option. I love the Roth option. Holy cow. You could put fi- – that's like almost Peter Thiel Roth winnings, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, right? Oh I see the wheels turning. Oh, my – Imagine if you deployed like five times. And each time you were able to put anywhere near that. Now, that's being said, like, yeah, a new enlisted service member is not going to be able to put $57,000 into the TSP because that would be like 120% of their base pay um, because you can't you can't make the deposits off all of your benefits. It has to be out of your actual paycheck, right? But okay, that's fair. there are definitely people who can. And realistically, even if you only put 25000 in, that's still 4500 more than you would be able to outside of the tax, you know, the combat zone. Uh, and the only thing I would disagree with you on that you said, and I don't know that I speak for all service members on this, but I speak for at least some, is the word, unfortunately, that you used around combat zones because there's a large amount of us who join and that's like the itch. It's like, send me, put me in, coach, put me in. So uh, obviously there are not always desirable outcomes from that, but that's, that is, uh, that's the unfortunately that I'm discussing. Uh, is the the undesirable outcomes when you don't come back. That's pretty sad. Um, Okay, I'll give you that. Everything else, uh, that is pretty flippin' amazing. And I will go ahead and say that you have proven your point that the military is the best job straight out of high school. Now, for those of us who haven't been in a combat zone, when I go there, the military pays for everything, right? Like, I'm not paying for my own food and, and housing and, like, so I could conceivably put all of my money in there. Oh, there's a lot of crazy options. There's also a uh, SDP, Saving Deployment Program, which I did, or Saving Deployment Plan, something like that, um, which is a government-backed, 100% guaranteed, 10% ROI savings account that you can direct your uh, paycheck to, but you can also fund with the stroke of a check, So and up to $10,000. So if you had ten grand in a bank account, you deployed on day one, you could transfer the $10,000 into the SDP. You would have a government guaranteed 10% ROI. So it's basically a 10% bond. And then when you leave the ta- the combat zone, you pull it back out. Um, and so there's a lot of very interesting things. And, the, and to make it even more interesting, combat zone doesn't necessarily mean I might drive over a bomb or a spicy road bump, as I like to call them. Uh, it, it, it could mean, I mean, like Kuwait. Kuwait is not an area that is currently under... Uh, any attacks, but it is in a area that is close enough that you could get called in. And so while at Kuwait, you rate combat zone tax exemptions. And so there are locations and periods of time where you rate that. In fact, and don't quote me on this, but we mentioned, Doug, I believe submariners rate that pay depending on which, you know, sea or gulf they are in. So there's a lot of very interesting situations where you might earn that. And then even crazier, while you're earning the combat zone tax exemptions, you're also getting hazard duty pay, so you're getting a pay raise. And there's also there's other things that go into that. But yeah, your your chow hall is covered, or you're on MREs. I mean, while I was deployed, I, I this was not while I was making good decisions. So I did the SDP, and I did ma- I did increase my TSP contributions. But then I had in seven months, I had like seventeen thousand dollars of pure pay that I basically or or left over, uh, even after like buying basically just protein powder and supplements and cigarettes and whatever else while I was deployed. I, it, it feels like we could talk about 
combat zone benefits forever, but I've got other things that I want to talk about. Do you, I know you have a website where you talk about all things military and money. Do you have an article or it's something about the benefits of combat zone pay? I do. Okay. We will include a link to that in our show notes, which can be found at biggerpockets.com slash moneyshow337. David, what is the name of your website? What is your URL? From military to millionaire.com. From military to millionaire.com. Okay, great. Uh, and I bet there's a ton of really great articles. I do have to confess I haven't spent a lot of time there because most of them don't apply to me. Uh, and I think that's really important to note. This super awesome Roth TSP with the $57,000 limit, I'm not eligible for. Now that I'm 50, they're never going to let me join the military. So uh, you really do need to get in there a little bit sooner. Uh, let's, let's talk about some of the other benefits. I think one of the most well-known benefits of the military service is the, either the VA loan or the GI bill. So pick one and we'll talk about that next. Let's go GI bill first so that your listeners stay paying attention because the VA loans where the real goods are. Okay. Okay. So the GI bill, when we were discussing this, uh, before we hit record, I said GI Bill, and you said yes, and there's tuition assistance. I thought that's the same thing. Can you please clarify the difference between GI Bill and tuition assistance? Yeah, and for just for sake of clarity, I've been out of the military for a year, so some of the amounts have probably changed, so I'm not going to speak specific dollar amounts, but um, so don't cite me on that. But I want to say it's like six grand, right? So uh, that's what I think it was, but tuition assistance covers – school while you're in up to, I think it's $6,000 a year. And there's stipulations. You can take two classes at a time. You have to pass them. Uh, if you fail one, then you might have to do some remission to be able to be eligible, you know, or you have to, you have to pay it back if you fail. Like there's some things, but if you pass your classes, you can, and I say this, I have a couple of friends who've done this. So I have an associate's degree that I did with tuition assistance at nights, you know, while in the military. But I have friends who have their bachelor's, their master's. I have a friend who has a doctorate degree, all paid for by tuition assistance without touching a dollar in their GI Bill. So my example, right, I have the associates and I stopped there because, well, I hate school and was like, this is just a waste of my time for what I'm actually doing in life. Like there's no degree that says real estate investing, although my associates is in real estate studies, uh, which is nothing more than what I needed to be an agent. So total waste of time. I digress. Uh, I have the GI Bill still zero usage, and I have transferred a percentage to each of my kids, 1%, so that down the road, depending on which kid goes to school, I can give them the GI Bill, or I could use it myself now that I'm out. So if I wanted to go back to school, I, I could, and it'd be covered. Um, if I give it to my kids, it'll cover one of their schooling or, or half of both of their schooling. Uh, I could give it to my wife. I mean, there's there's a lot of cool options. So yeah, I could I could have theoretically, if I stayed in for 20 years, I could earn my master's degree and still given my GI Bill to my kids. You seemed to make a very distinct point that you had transferred one percent to each kid. Is that something you have to do before you separate from service? Yeah, you have to do it at a reenlistment after eight years, which is where I kind of got hosed because um, it's not clearly articulated. So when you reenlist, basically they were like, "Do you want to transfer your GI Bill or do you want to keep it?" And I was like, "Yeah, I'll keep it. I can, I can, I can transfer it later, right?" Yeah, you can transfer it later. Wrong answer. Um, you have to do it during a reenlistment, unless you're if you're a commissioned officer, you have to do it with four years left on your uh, obligation. But uh, if you're enlisted, you have to do it at a reenlistment because you have to have four years left. It's a retention bonus or retention incentive. Um, 
which I actually kind of disagree with the way that it's handled because I did 13 years and wasn't going to be able to transfer it without going into the reserves. But what really happens is you hit that eight-year mark, you re-enlist. What you should do is you should transfer 1% to anybody you would ever want to allow to use your GI Bill, your wife, your kids, your dog, whatever. And once you transfer a percent, then you can go in the system and you can tweak that percentage at any time. So if one of your kids goes to school, you can say, yep, they get 100 because the other one didn't or 50-50 because they're both going to school or neither of them went to school so my wife gets it all or whatever. But if you don't make that change, then you're going to have to wait until the next time you re-enlist to transfer. And if you don't re-enlist again, then you will not be eligible to transfer it because it is a retention bonus. So play the game right, you know, transfer 1% and then you can adjust allocations down the road because you earned it. Okay. And that also sounds like you could go into a great bit more detail on your website, on your, have you made a video about that? Is it in your book? Yeah, there's some information in the book on it. I might have an article or two on the GI Bill. Um, it's not exactly my expertise because I haven't used it, so I, I don't know that I have anything super detailed on it. Um, although I'm thinking about using it because <laughs> you can get a pilot's license with it, and that sounds fun. So depending on if my kids actually seem like they're going to go to school, I might just use it. Okay, that – wow. You don't even know what I'm going to ask you next, but that's another – financial advantage of serving in the military is the free skills you get. And the one that I can think of off the top of my head, like the big one, is the airline pilot skill. Because yes, you can go to airline pilot school. I have no idea about it. I, I'm not eligible to be a pilot because my eyeball, my <laughs> eyesight is horrible. <laughs> I, I'm not correctable to 2020. I cannot see. They won't let me fly. I've never, and it's been my whole life. So I found this out very early. I never looked into it, but I know it's super expensive to go and learn how to be an airline pilot. It's like hundreds of thousands of dollars or four years of your life in the air force or like, I mean, they all have planes, right? Does the army have planes? Uh, yeah, they, they all have at least some equivalent. Um, in fact, well, uh, I don't need to be talking smack about different branches of the military, but uh, let's just say that the, the, there are branches of the military that are assumed to have more aircraft than others, and that assumption is not always correct depending on how you think about things and what kind of aircraft you're talking about. So, like, the Marine Corps has way more helicopters than you would ever know. Um, the Navy has an exorbitant amount of planes, right? The Army is more helicopter and, like, the A-10 or whatever, but, I mean, it, it, it varies. Um, the airport, Air Force is definitely the, the heavy mover logistics side more than the combat side. For okay. aircraft. Oh, okay. Well, that's interesting. I didn't know that either. Uh, so what are some other skills that you can get in the military besides the airline pilot, which you are, might use your GI Bill for, but could also have been a pilot if you... Yeah, I have I have plenty of friends who, who did that. In fact, I got a, a guy who I used to, when I was a, a Cub Scout leader for my oldest in Hawaii, I was the assistant den leader or whatever. And the guy who was the den leader... Uh, he was a lieutenant colonel. He retired, and he flew the private jet for the general, um, and he'd been a pilot his whole career, and now he's he's working uh, airlines. So, yeah, totally, totally doable. I will say that being a pilot in the military is not necessarily the easiest gig to get into, but I do have a lot of friends who've, who have done it and had successful careers in and out of the military. The, I think the intangibles, honestly, are better, but there's so many. I mean, medical field, 
there's a doctors and nurses and whatever. That's a good one. Uh, they've got JAGs, like legal officers, right? Like the military goes and tries to poach law students and say, hey, we need JAGs. And so, you know, you can get that. Uh, you can get those for the doctor side, right? Like you're learning all these skills in an area where you can't be sued for malpractice. So there are benefits to that, even though the pay may not be as good. Um, I was a transportation logistics guy. I drove big trucks and did big picture logistics. I could do a lot with that uh, right now. Um, but I mean, even, you know, infantry, right? You think infantry, oh, this guy learned how to shoot a gun. So that's not transferable. Maybe. I mean, yeah, you could do security, you know, whatever. But the real benefits are the intangibles. You learn how to lead. You learn how to make decisions under pressure. You learn how to make decisions quickly under pressure. You... You know, learn how to be a critical thinker. You learn how to work as a team. You learn, you know, discipline and, and whatever, right? Like those intangibles, uh, I think, are actually what's more important, right? Because you take a – not to talk smack about the college world, right? But like you take a kid fresh out of college. Let's, let's put him in the Harvard MBA program, right? Like top tier, fresh out of college, never had a job before, but this kid is brilliant. And you throw him against an infantry guy who's never done a thing in business – and I'm not going to say that the Harvard guy won't win, but I will just say that the decision-making power and the ability to make those decisions under pressure, you know, you don't know how you're going to do until you get into some of those situations. And so um, there's something to be said for being in those kinds of situations that transfers into life, right? So uh, people crack under pressure. It's nice to have an opportunity to learn that before you're playing CEO. That's a really good point. Uh, that is, and I didn't even think about that. Because I wasn't in the military, I didn't learn how to make decisions. Boy, oh boy, I remember you're like, oh, take your four years out of the military and you're right out of college degree. I'm like, oh yeah, I was trash when I was making decisions as a as a college kid. I went to Afghanistan when I was 20. I turned I turned 21 in, oh no, I take that back. I turned 21 four months after I got back from Afghanistan. And so the seven months that I did there and the things that I learned there, yeah, you put me against my kids, my, my friends from high school that were in college at that point in our lives, I don't know that there's anything they could have beat me on outside of math. Okay. And that's fair. And you know what? They'll beat me at math too when I went to college. I have three college degrees and math is not in any of them. And, and not to say like they are, many of them are successful now. I'm not here to critique that, right? But some of them are still paying off their student loan debt too. So, you know. <laughs> And I'm I'm going to agree with you on this. At age 22, the fresh out of college kid is not, you know, fresh out of Afghanistan. I think you're going to have a, a bit more backbone and forcefulness. Yeah. And my intent behind us talking about this is not to be talking smack about college and saying, you know, if you go to school, you're terrible and you have to join the military. It's just that I I spent time as a recruiter in the military. Right. So I hate the stigma that if you don't go to college, you're a failure. Right. Like that idea that you have to go to school and that is the route. Uh, it's not necessarily always the best route. And so I like to encourage other options. And I think that an option that allows you to travel the world, gain real world experience and go to school for free once you figure out what you actually want to learn, because how many may how many people change their major? Oh, yeah. There we go. There's a statistic that's over 50%. I think it's like 67% of people change their major. And of that, like 50 or 60% change it again. Um, so, you know, you don't know what you want to do when you're 18, 19, 20. So why not spend a few years trying to figure that out in an environment where it doesn't cost you a fortune? 
absolutely. I really like that. I'm going to throw you over to the episode number 44 with Tinian Crawford, Captain DIY. He got his associate's degree in just six short years. For those of you who are unfamiliar, that is a two-year college degree. And he uses 0% of it. Um, he was not in the military. He was in college going and he's, he's like, college just isn't my thing. And now he's an electrician. He was (laughs) working, he was working for a college and then decided to go out on his own. And he's like, I can't, like, I have to block out time to have time for myself. Otherwise I'm just busy all the time. I could work 24, seven, 365 and still be busy all the time. And it's college isn't for everybody. So what do you do if college isn't for you? Well, maybe the military is is for you. Here's some more options. Here's some really great options. Learn a trade. Learn a trade. Learn I mean, but here's some really great life experiences that you'll get while in the military. Oh, and while I made the joke about trade and we were talking about careers and then we can pivot to the the good stuff, the VA loan. Uh all of those trades are available, right? Like you can do cybersecurity, you can do counter intel, you can do intelligence, you can do communications, but you can do plumbing, you can do electrical. You In the military? Yeah. So we need plumbers when we set up a base. We need electricians when we run pretty much anything. There are wire dogs, there's water dogs, there's, you know, whatever. Um, and in those occupations, you can do, you can earn journeyman certificates while serving. So like I have three or four journeyman certificates for various things while in the military through... I can't remember the name of the program, so I apologize. I actually, I think the certificates are actually in the closet back there. I've never used them because I don't have a job, but, uh, but you can earn those journeymen. So you could leave the military as a journeyman electrician with four years experience, no debt. And like, there are ways to really set yourself up for success. Yeah. Whoa. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. Well, that's why it's not the Mindy show today. It's the David show. <laughs> uh, okay. One last really quick question. When you go to Afghanistan, does your passport get stamped? Unfortunately, no. In fact, when I was stationed in Japan, I could not convince them to stamp my stamp my passport until the one time I flew back on my own for leave rather than on military orders. So the only stamp that I have, two stamps that I have in my passport that is now expired and I have a new one, but the original passport, the only two stamps are Mexico when I was in high school and Japan the one time I flew home on leave. And I went to 13 countries in that first three years in the military. None of them were in my – so I'm like, oh. Because that would be like – that would be a cool stamp. I'm not going to Afghanistan anytime soon. I'm not going to Kuwait. I'm not going to Iran. I'm not going to yeah. North Korea. I'm not going to any of those places because – I'll never go back to Kyrgyzstan. Yeah. Yeah. That's a bummer. Okay, uh, now to the VA loan. The pièce de résistance, the big, 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 big dog. The VA loan is amazing. And I'm a real estate agent. I was under misconceptions about the VA loan for the longest time until I met John Lalonde. I believe he was episode 303 of the Bigger Pockets Money podcast. Uh, he was my lend- he was my go-to lender forever. He- I met him through David because I was helping a uh, veteran client, um, active duty military, active duty Marine client buy a house and he was using his VA loan. And as I was talking to John, I'm like, wow, really? They can do that? They can do that? I, mean, I was writing up this contract and they paid $0 out of pocket. They got a check when they sat down at the closing table after buying a house, they walked away with a check. 
because of the VA loan. Let's talk about the VA loan. Who is eligible for a VA loan? Service members and vets, federal employees. Federal employees too? Or sorry, no, like, like, Let's, my bad. Yes, service members and vets. Okay. So, well, but it's more than that, right? Like if I sign up today and I'm in the military today, I can't go and get it, right? There's a- Yeah, there's there's time requirements on that. So like, uh, and there's, there's a couple different stipulations, but the biggest one is 90 days on active duty orders before you're eligible for the VA loan. Okay. So even a reservist, if you deploy for more than 90 days, you can- you can then use it. If not, you got to wait like the six years uh, for the reserves. But if you're active duty, you know, within your first three to six months, you could use it. And you have to be honorably discharged, right? You can't use this if you're dishonorably discharged. Yeah. If you're a big chicken dinner, as we call it, bad conduct discharge or other than honorable or sorry, uh, dishonorable, if you're either of those, then you can't use it. But if you're other than honorable general or honorable, you could use the VA loan. Okay. Uh, why would somebody want to use the VA loan? Oh, I mean, why would you not? It's the best primary residence mortgage in the market. I could go on and on and on. Go about on and that. on and on about that. Why is it the best primary loan residence? That, now that's okay. That's a very interesting stipulation. Primary loan residence. So you, David, can use your VA loan. Yeah. Okay. But you can't use it on all of these rental properties that you're buying. No. Okay. So this is only for owner-occupant. Yeah, it has to be owner-occupant loan. Uh, and there's the, the word is intend to occupy, and people like to misuse that and say, well, what if I just say I – no. What it means is you intended to move into it, and then they understand if, like, you have orders to Maryland and you buy a house 60 days prior to moving there because you can close on a house up to 60 days prior to occupancy. And then three weeks later, the military is like, ooh, Maryland, ah, California. And you're like, crap. Well, you already bought the house, so you're not going to be hosed because you got a change of station. Um, you it did intend to occupy it. You didn't exactly. buy it knowing that you weren't going to move from your house down the street. That is not intending to occupy it. And I want to highlight, and John said on his episode, he's like, look, mortgage fraud is mortgage fraud. And I will tell you that it's mortgage fraud. And if you want to go out and try to explain to, did he say the FBI? Like, it's a serious deal. Yep. If you want to go and try to explain to the FBI why it's not mortgage fraud, good luck. But you are not going to get any backup and you are not going to win. Yeah, it's a felony charge. I think it's a $10,000 fine and uh, up to five years in prison or something like that. So what I always tell people is like, look, there's a million loopholes. There's a million ways to skin this cat. There's a million ways to get out of it or get around it or, or whatever. And you might not get caught, but people do get caught. And the reward of owning a house is not worth the risk of becoming a felon and spending time in jail when you could just do it the right way and still own a house. So, yes. you know, I, it is what it is. In fact, I just made a post that's getting all kinds of fire on my Facebook group because somebody basically messaged and said, well, first they used the incorrect version of your and there. So he's getting ripped up for that. But he, he, he messaged me. It was on TikTok, I think. And he commented and just said, can you teach me or how do I, quote, intend to live there or something like that, right? The question was basically like, how can I pretend? Yeah. And I responded with three words. You live there. Yeah. Period. 
Like, that's the way to do it. You actually move into the freaking house. Problem solved. And that is that is for all primary residence loans. That's the conventional loan. That's the FHA loan. And that's the VA loan. If it says, if you're trying to get a primary residence loan, you are saying that you are going to live there for 12 months. If you are not going to live there for 12 months, if you have no plans to live there, you are committing mortgage fraud. Will you get caught? I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know. But like David said, it is not worth it. There are so many ways to make money in real estate. You should not be committing mortgage fraud. Yeah. And on the on the big picture selfish uh, thing, if enough people do that, you know, there's always the chance that the VA revamps their program and it's not as good as it is now. So it's not worth ruining the benefit because um, the VA. So, so to answer your question, I think the reason the VA loan is so incredible is that the guidelines are incredibly loose. So the actual VA guidelines are very, very, very minimal for them to guarantee the 25% of the loan. And so it's up to lenders, right? Most lenders have their own overlays and their own whatever. Like for a prime example, there is no minimum credit score requirement per the VA. So if you found a bank that would lend it to you with no credit score, like a zero, okay, the VA will guarantee it. You're not gonna find a lender who will give you a, credit, a loan with zero credit score, but I've seen as low as 500. That's pretty, in, pretty significant. Yeah. Okay. Um, there's there's not a 50% DTI cap. So I've seen somebody buy a house, a duplex in Venice Beach, a $1.93 million duplex that John actually did the loan on. And he bought a – he house hacked it. His debt to income was like 76% and he got approved. Whereas you know with an FHA or conventional, once you hit 50, you're done. That's it. 49 is the limit. Um What's another one? Oh, there's no loan level pricing adjustments. So with an FHA loan or a conventional loan, your interest rate will adjust at 740 credit score, 680 credit score, and 640 credit score. So somebody with a 739 credit score will have a lower interest rate than somebody with an 800 credit score. The VA loan does not adjust the first time until 640. So somebody with a 641 credit score using the VA loan will have a the exact same interest rate as somebody with an 820 credit score, which is why the rates on the VA loans are often better because if you fall in that 640 to 740 window, every other mortgage product out there will have the adjustment for interest rate and the VA does not. That's interesting. I didn't know about all of these. I knew about the 0% down, which you haven't even mentioned yet, which is kind of like whatever. And I do want to circle back to the house hacking, but you have a no down payment loan. The only loan that I know of that is available to non-service members is the USDA loan, which is intended for rural properties. It's an interesting it's an interesting kind of loophole to get a 0% down loan, but only rural properties qualify, but the USDA map doesn't keep up with progress. So, it's entirely possible if you're buying a new build in a place that had no houses, you know, three years ago, that could qualify for a USDA loan. Yeah, it's weird. And to my knowledge, the USDA still has MIP and PMI. I'm not 100% on that, but the VA loan does not have mortgage insurance premiums or private mortgage insurance at all, um, which is something that separates it from a 5% conventional or three and a half FHA. Now, the one thing is the VA loan does a funding fee which is rolled into the loan, so it doesn't come out of pocket. Uh, it is 2.3% of the pro of the loan amount on the first use and 3.6% on consecutive uses of the VA loan. So if you buy a $100,000 house, it's 2300 added to the loan. Uh, I have a full breakdown on this, so I won't go into super details, but it boils down to about $11 a month for every $100,000 you borrow. So if you buy a million-dollar house, zero down, it's about $110 a month that you're paying for just that funding fee. 
which is peanuts compared to mortgage insurance premium and PMI. To put in perspective, my $80,000 duplex, my first purchase with an FHA loan, my PMI was $81 on a $80,000 property. So the the math's not even remotely close. And, you know, I will tell you and I will argue all day about risk and opportunity cost and all of the other things. Putting 20% down to save that 2.3% funding fee will never win over putting zero down and reinvesting the 20% or putting zero down and having the 20% sitting in a bank account so that if something goes wrong, you have reserves. So uh, I go on and on and on and on about all of those things, but I like to say that because everybody's always like, oh, but the funding fee. Yeah, it exists because it exists, but it's still better than any other mortgage product with less than 20% down. And it's better than putting 20% down. So if I do if I do use my VA loan and I put 20% down, the, there's no funding fee? Yeah. Okay. But on anything less than 20% down, there is a funding fee, which makes it sound like I should never put any money down and just pay the funding fee. Absolutely. Yeah. There's very few times where I think it makes sense to put any money down with the VA loan. Okay. Just because of opportunity cost. I do know that there is some misconceptions on VA loan caps. Yeah, so they have the zip code caps. Uh, in January 1st, 2020, it went away on your first use. And then you can do a one-time restoration if you sell your property. So like, that's why that guy was able to buy a you know almost $2 million duplex zero down while active duty um, because there's no limit on your first-time purchase as long as you qualify for the mortgage. So if you're buying a fourplex in San Diego County, you could buy you know, $1.2, $1.3 million fourplex because the rent from the other units will balance out your debt to income and blah, blah, blah. After the first time use, then the limits come into play. And really, it's probably better if we don't get down that rabbit hole. So I'll just, I'll just throw this out there. The entitlement things for uses of the VA loan after the fact, I've seen someone buy four houses with the VA loan. So it's very doable. But what happens is that after your first use, the answer to all of your subsequent questions is, it depends on your situation. And so it's going to be 100% different for every single person. So go talk to a lender and give them your actual situation. Don't come to me and be like, can I use VA loan again? Maybe. It really depends. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my 9-to-5 job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. What if I told you that I, Mindy Jensen, the queen of budgeting, the personal finance fanatic, 
sometimes forgot to cancel my subscriptions. I know it's horrible. $10 here, $15 there. My useless subscription bills could have taken my whole family out to dinner multiple times. Rocket Money can make all that subscription sadness suddenly vanish. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. You can see all your subscriptions in one place and cancel money-sucking subscriptions with a tap. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash bpmoney. That's rocketmoney.com slash bpmoney. rocketmoney.com slash bpmoney. Saving for a down payment, a wedding, or just looking for extra money to invest? Monarch Money turns your budgeting woes into wins. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best budgeting app overall. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash pockets. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it easy to manage your money like a pro. Add a partner or family member to your account for no extra cost, so combined finances become a breeze. Customize your budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions, and more. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash pockets. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash pockets for your extended 30-day free trial. Real estate investing is great, but for some, the tenant phone calls and clogged toilets aren't all that attractive. So how do you invest in real estate without getting your hands dirty? Invest for truly passive income with Pine Financial Group. Pine's mortgage fund offers an 8% preferred return and an attractive profit split with 70% of profits going to the investors. You'll earn passive income by participating in lending to house flippers. And it's secure because senior lien holders, that's you, get paid first. Their rigorous underwriting process and the backing of the physical asset provide additional security in case of borrower default. Plus, by investing with Pine Financial Group, you contribute to the revitalization of communities by redirecting your funds from Wall Street to Main Street, supporting local economies, and generating profits simultaneously. This investment is reserved for accredited investors, but if you are not accredited, Pine Financial has options for you too. Don't miss this opportunity to back Main Street over Wall Street and start earning passive real estate income. Learn more about investing with Pine at pinefinancialgroup.com BP. That's pinefinancialgroup.com BP. Okay, I am going to say yes to all of that, except I disagree with you on go talk to a lender. There are a lot of lenders who do great work. There are a lot of lenders who do great work and do terrible jobs with the VA loans because that's not what they do all the time. If you want to get a VA loan, you need to speak with somebody who knows what they're doing. I'm going to throw out a plug for Cross Country Mortgage. If you have if you, a VA loan need, reach out to David, reach out to me, Mindy at BiggerPockets.com. I will connect you with them. I have somebody who can do a 17 or 21-day VA loan close. You're, if you are familiar with the VA loan, 
alone, you're like, never going to happen. Yes, it will. They've done three or four. I can't remember how many military. I've seen them do 14. Yeah. David's done 14 with them. It is. And and when I say I, I mean my clients who were in the military, I've done zero. I don't have VA loan entitlement, but I have worked with them and they have closed lightning fast. There are ways to do it. There are ways to take, what, 45, 60 days to close on a VA loan, and that is never going to get you a property. That is just going to get you headaches. Yeah, happy to make introductions to lenders or agents or whoever. I mean, we've got a pretty large network of people and I to just bring your point home right if you have an agent or a lender who's telling you the VA loan is not competitive in your market then you need to just find a new agent and lender because they're wrong uh, and I have data within my community to prove based on the amount of loans that I have seen done I mean John did 20 million dollars worth of loans on his own for people in my Facebook group in just the state of California in 2021 in San Diego and Orange County, the hottest market in the country and the hottest market we've seen in decades. And you're going to tell me, oh, you can't use the VA loan in competitive markets. Wrong. Your agent and lender doesn't know what they are doing and you should change. Um, and, and just uh, the two biggest things that I hear outside of the funding fee are the inspection and the appraisal. And everybody's always, ooh, they're so terrible. It's not going to get approved and blah, 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 blah. Uh, the inspection's not that crazy. And the appraisal process for the VA loan, if you look at the national averages, on average, VA loan appraisals come in higher than non-VA loan appraisals. But the appeal process is where it gets really crazy because you're an agent. If you have an appraisal come in $40,000 low and you call that appraiser and you're like, hey, here's a whole bunch of reasons that we think you're wrong. Their ego gets involved. Do they? How often do you think they actually change their – I mean – it's not very common for them to say, oh, you're right. Yeah, we'll give you the extra $40,000. When you appeal with the VA, it doesn't go to the appraiser. It goes to the VA. And so there's no ego involved. And they will actually look at your data and go, oh, yeah, you know what? Um, and then on top of that, if they say no, you can then go a third time. And I'm drawing a blank on the organization. But there's a third person that you can go to a third time. And and I'm going to mess up the specifics on this one because I've not actually seen it done. But I know it's a thing. If all of that fails... There is a, and and I'm going to call Chris and confirm exactly where this is so I can link to it uh, in your show notes, but there is a way to essentially say, yo, this guy's moving here in 30 days, and if you don't do this, he's not going to have a place to live, and they can, like, rush order, and, and you might even, so I'm like, that's, like, level four. So, like, there are ways to get your VA loan bumped up, the appraisal that there are not in other loans. So your appraisal process is actually way better with the VA loan. The inspection, okay, yeah, sure, it's it's whatever, but it's not any worse than the VA loan or the FHA loan. So It's better than the FHA loan. I have two horrible experiences. One with the appraiser whose ego got involved. He's like, um, I'm not taking your additional data. What do you mean you're not taking my additional data? I have all of these that prove that my property is worth way more than you're saying. And he's like, no, like would just refused. And there was no, it was a conventional loan. There was no appeals process whatsoever. Um, and with the FHA loan, oh my goodness, the FHA appraiser is like, well, it's fine at value as long as you do all of these things. And I'm like, all of those things, this is crazy. Okay, fine. We'll do this. We'll do this. Like some of them were legit. You have to have a smoke detector and a carbon monoxide detector on every level. Great. Three levels. Here's three. Like, I don't care. There was an electrical outlet that was tripped 
outside. So we hit the reset button and now it works. And we had to find an electrician to come out to certify that the outlet worked. Even though we made a video with a lamp plugged in and we're like, see, it's on, it's off, it's it works. And it was a nightmare. I hate that. I really hate, I hate the FHA that one. so much because like, okay, you're remodeling a house. If you had an extra smoke detector, does your value go up? No. So why are you hitting me on something that's so stupid? Like it's a safety thing and it should get pinged on the inspection as something to fix. Sure. But does a smoke detector affect the value of the home? Let's be real. She did take pictures as proof that the smoke detector was in there. I didn't have to have some, I don't know, smoke detector inspector come out. But it was like the it was so hard to find an electrician. All the electricians are like, no. I'm not coming out there yeah, for that. That's not wasting my time yeah. for that. Yeah. Finally, the buyer's brother. She's like, oh, my brother's an electrician. I'm like, get his butt out here to certify that this stupid outlet works. It was a nightmare. Or just certify it and we don't even care if he showed up. <laughs> Ooh. I would never put that in writing, David. <laughs> not saying that's the right thing to do. I'm just saying, hey, an electrical outlet that was a GFCI trip should not be a hit on your appraisal. Shouldn't. But. And with the VA loan, it wouldn't be. So my process, my inspection process with the VA loans have always been very smooth. And when I was talking to John about like, what do I do, you know, if, if it doesn't pass, he's like, does it have an oven? I said, yeah. He's like, it's going to pass. It's, he's like, it's a nice house. If it was falling down, if it was a dump, if there's, you know, there's, it doesn't just have to have an oven, but it, there are parameters. They don't want the service member to be buying a house that is a rat trap infested hole, they want them to buy a nice house or a decent house. So there are like minimum thresholds that they have to meet. But all of the houses I was selling were nice. Well, let me make the caveats uh, and just I'm going to go very, very brief, just overview of other things that are out there and not going to go into detail. And I'm going to tell you that the reason I'm not going into detail is because Again, these are very niche things where every single lending company is going to have a different way they do it, different things that they allow and don't allow. And these aren't necessarily the easiest programs to find, so I'm going to just keep it very broad. However, these are things that I have seen done personally. So it may not be the easiest to find a lender, but you know, Mindy and I are happy to help you out with finding someone who does these things. The VA has a renovation loan. It is better than the FHA 203K. It is also zero down. It will do more than the FHA 203K. And I'm going to just leave it at that because, again, every lender is different, but I promise you it's better. And I have a breakdown of that on the website. I can you know, link that to you if you want. It literally compares, and it's like, oh, VA wins. Um, the VA has a one-time use construction. You can buy a piece of land and new build with zero down with the VA loan. You can build a barn dominium with the VA loan in doing that. A what? Um, Oh, you haven't seen these things? It's like the new trend. Barn Dominium. You build a – basically, you build your house into a barn. So, like, you build, like, a 70 by 50 or 50 by 50, like, you know, pole barn, and then you build your house into the back part, and the front part is your – you know, it could be a hangar for an airplane or a, your cars or your trucks or your tractors. So, like, it's a big thing in, like, Texas and, like, states where people live on a farm, and they're like, well, I need a barn and I need a house. Why don't I just – put the house in the back half of the barn and build a really baller barn. Uh, and the VA can build that. 
If I mean, it, there's stipulations on the construction type, and again, every lender is different. But I know a lender who I have personally talked to who has done that for a client. So a lot of weird things that you can do with the VA loan because again, the guidelines are pretty loose as long as you got lenders who are willing to. You know, and and they're more willing to work with you because who's guaranteeing the loan? Oh, that's right, the government. All right, <laughs> pretty secure. Wow. Okay. So yeah, there's there's some pretty strict parameters. You have to be a vet, uh, or active duty, uh, honorably discharged, or not dishonorably discharged, and you have to live in it. It's your primary residence. There you go. And you got to qualify for the loan. And oh, and qualify for the loan. Yeah, I guess that's a point. Uh, an important fact too, but that seems really easy. So, so here's some parameters that you have to follow. We didn't even talk about house hacking, David. How do you house hack with a VA loan? I mean, the same way you house hack with anything else. You can buy a fourplex with the VA loan. You can buy single families with ADUs. You can buy. Uh, so one of my favorite ways, my buddy Rio did this, and we should totally have him on the podcast to talk about this sometime because he's just a cool dude. Him and his wife, they're both awesome. Uh, great people. Um, John and I used to go to this house. We always joked that it was like the 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 Playboy hangout. Like we would go to the house. To, that was where we went to watch the Super Bowl. We'd have to like set a curfew be like, okay, John, we both agree that we will leave at this time no matter what because otherwise you get sucked into partying all night. Great dudes. Uh, you know, they're, they're entertainers. But he has a – Five bed, four bath, amazing house, ironically on Players Lane. I don't remember the numbers, but that was the address um, in California. And it was right outside the main gate in a really nice subdivision. Like the kind of place that you have no business buying as a young service member. Single family, six, seven hundred thousand dollar house that's worth million, million two now. Uh, three car garage, you know, just awesome. And he rented four of the bedroom. He was a single at the time captain. Now he's married, but he rented four bedrooms to other lieutenants and captains who were single. He was making a thousand dollars a month to live in this house. Now that he's moved out because he got stationed in Japan, he's making two or three thousand dollars a month to live in this house. And by the way, all of his roommates are commission officers in the Marine Corps who are single, make good money, respect where they live, love to have a good time. Like there's a reason that we always went out with there. They had a, a garage that he turned into a, a gym. He had a room that he knocked a wall out of and turned into a pool hall. Uh, I mean, it was like the coolest house you could possibly own as a young, you know, at the time when he bought it, he was a lieutenant. So pretty young in the military. And uh, I mean, so there's that. And then there's, you know, fourplexes and everything else. I mean, any, anything you can do with an FHA or whatever. Um, and, you know, just as long as you buy smart. House hacking is the best. I mean, I go on and on. It's the best way to start in real estate. It really is. You cannot use the VA loan for an investment property, except you can use the VA loan for an investment property when you live in one portion of that investment property. So yep. why not start your real estate empire with your VA loan, your 0% down VA loan, and live on player's lane? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. David, this was huge. This was so much fun. I learned so much about the military. I do believe you backed up your initial statement, which we said at the beginning of the show, the military is the best job straight out of high school. Please remind people where they can find out more about you. Pretty much any social media platform as either military millionaire or from military to millionaire. Okay. And your website, your website, your book, your podcast. From military to millionaire.com. And we wrote a book. Uh, the No BS Guide to Military Life. How to build wealth, get promoted, and Who's achieve greatness. Oh, me. I just try to not sound like an egotistical jerk. So I you say wrote a book. You are a published author. <laughs> yeah. And I get, you know, it's it's one of those books. I wrote it as 
everything that I wish I'd known when I, the day I joined the military. Uh, so it's kind of like a chronological order for like if you were joining the military, here's a book to hand someone and say, hey, if you do this, I can't guarantee you'll be financially free millionaire by the time you leave in four years. But I can guarantee you'll be a lot better off than you would if you hadn't read it. Why didn't you call it everything I wish I had known the day I entered the military? Because uh, the no BS guide to military life is what the people voted for. Oh. I do uh, almost everything via a poll. And I have a very large <laughs> Facebook group of service members. And when I polled them on 20 different things, this was the clear winner. So we went with it. Okay. And what is that Facebook group called? Military Millionaire. Military Millionaire. Is it? I thought it was from Military to Millionaire. Uh, I mean, it, it probably shows up that way. The URL, though, is Facebook slash, you know, dot com slash group slash Military Millionaire. Military Millionaire. Okay, awesome. David... Thank you so – oh, oh, oh. Did you mention your podcast? I have one of those too. Military Millionaire Podcast. Pretty much everything. You just Google Military Millionaire. I tried to keep in – and for the record, the reason it's from Military Millionaire is because when that whole platform started, I was not by any means a millionaire and it was just documenting my journey. So it's not an ego trip. It's just I was prophesying my future. There you go. Well, you said it and it came true. Okay, David, this was so much fun. I really appreciate your time today. I appreciate you sharing all of this information. If you are thinking about joining the military, if you have kids in the military, if you have kids who just aren't on the path to college, this episode is for them. Please share this with them. Please share David's website, his book, his podcast. He is a wealth of information, clearly, as you just heard. He has a wealth of information on all things military. Well, thank you, Mindy. Okay, David, should we get out of here? I suppose so. From episode 337 of the Bigger Pockets Money podcast, he is David Perret, and I am Mindy Jensen saying, Uncle Sam wants you. The market is changing, and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom, and the best investors know it's not about timing the market, it's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into real estate investing or take it to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With the Bigger Pockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com slash deals, enter a few details about what and where you want to buy, and boom, instantly matched with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. This free resource is only available at biggerpockets.com slash deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com slash deals. That's biggerpockets.com slash deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all host and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. Bigger Pockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.